what since the second half really how much they've really struggled charged with finding some stability from this scrum and he can't find it that's a mighty shot a mighty Mark Lester the scrum battle resumes now and a big shot from Brazil oh that's sensational Welcome back to the next episode of the journey of a grassroots rugby coach. And today's episode is brought to you by Showcase Beer Cafe at Shop 6113 Landsborough Ave, Scarborough in Queensland. They are open from Wednesday to Friday, 5pm till late, Saturdays and Sundays, midday till late. They have a selection of nine different independent craft beers on tap, basic spirits and a small selection of wine. They have a fully functioning kitchen which does pizzas, nachos, four styles of chicken wings, and much, much more. And Sunday afternoons, they have an acoustic session. So if you're in the area, pop in, have a beer, look out over the ocean, enjoy the warm, friendly atmosphere, and enjoy their pizzas. I can tell you firsthand, they are absolutely delicious. So I'd like to thank them for their support. So if you're in the area, show them some support, show them some love. Welcome back to the next episode of The Journey of a Grassroots Rugby Coach. And today, my guest is Dan Ritchie. Dan is the Colts One Coach at North Rugby Club in Brisbane. He was previously the Director of Rugby at Brisbane State High. During our conversation, we spoke about wearing different hats as a first 15 coach and getting to know your players and reducing your risk. We spoke about having a feedback framework of what do we need to stop doing, what do we need to keep doing, and what do we need to start doing? We also talked about how training through games and having chaos and mess in your training sessions is good for letting the players sort things out for themselves. On a recent trip to Brisbane, I spent a night with Dan watching his Colts train and I really took a lot away from watching Dan, talking to Dan and just talking rugby with him. Feel free to reach out to him if you're in Brisbane, but otherwise sit back, relax, and as always, pass this on to anybody that you think can benefit from it. Once again, thanks for your time, Dan, and I hope everyone enjoys. All right, mate, let's, um, let's make a start, and yep. we'll just, just go where it takes us. Sweet as. Um, all right, Dan, so thanks for joining me tonight. Um, just for the listeners that may not know who you are, um, who are you, where are you, and what's your involvement in the grassroots game? Uh, thanks, Bully. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, Dan Rich is my name. Uh, I'm uh, currently in Brisbane. I coach the the Colts one or the under twenties side at North in, in Brisbane. Um, prior to that, I was uh, I was director of rugby at, at Brisbane State High School for three years in the GPS competition. Um, Brisbane born and bred. Uh, I played all my rugby in Brisbane for Norths. Uh, was fortunate enough to, to to play some first grade and then uh, spend three years traveling sort of overseas and, and playing rugby in Scotland and Canada, which was, uh, yeah, which was really cool life experience and, and rugby experience. Um, and then came back, um, had one more year playing. Um, and then, you know, you sort of realize that you're sitting there analyzing what the coach is doing uh, instead of what you're doing. And um, it's probably time to, to move in a different direction. Um, so I, I chose to focus on, on coaching, but I'd always sort of coached, being a teacher by trade, I'd always sort of coached early. So I got into it pretty early. Um, and then, yeah, just wherever it's taken me, which is which is where I'm now. So, yeah. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks, Dan. Thanks for your time. Because um, I know this time of year we're all pretty busy with rugby stuff. Um, so what actually got you into coaching in the first place? I know you, you sort of said you've done it for a while, but when you sort of decided it was time to take it seriously? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, yeah, I always sort of coached. Um, as I say, that that last year in particular, um, I was playing. It was probably the first time I was really not enjoying it. Um, I was I was the oldest in the playing group, um, and as I say, I, I sat there analysing what the coaches weren't and were not doing, and and it, it was a source of frustration. Um, at the time, I was I was teaching at a boys' school in Brisbane, and um, before I'd gone away overseas, I'd, I'd obviously started there and come back and. Um, group of boys actually said to me, um, oh, look, sir, you're going to keep playing next year. And um, at that point, I wasn't really sure. And, and they said, look, you know, we're, we're, we're two years into the first 15 and 
we've won two games in three years and, um, you know, we really need a change. We're sick of losing. We just want something different. Um, you know, would you put your hand up? And, you know, that, that's pretty, that's pretty hard for a, you know, 15, 16 year old kid to do. And um, th these kids I, you know, got along really well with, I, I taught them as grade seven boys and, and coached them and just had so much time for them. And um, yeah, when they sort of said that to me, I was sort of, okay, that's, that's probably not the worst sort of segue to, to, to exit playing, I guess, and, and focus more on the coaching. So um, yeah, funny enough, um, that was, that was sort of the moment. Um, I didn't quite get that job that, that, that asked me for, but um, yeah, I think that the timing and, and as I say, sequence of events there was, was probably the right one to go more coaching rather than playing. Yeah, no, that's good, mate. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's, yeah, some people have got different journeys. Into it. That's the first time I've had someone sort of say they've, well, I got sort of convinced to do it a long time ago and just kept going from there, but not many people do. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so in your coaching journey, what's, um, what's some of the, one of the biggest heartbreaks or disappointments that you've had? Because we've all had them as coaches. And I think the coach, the good coaches look at it and go, yeah, that was crap. That was terrible. But they reflect and they learn from it and they move on. And as a young coach, we often don't do that very well. Um, so it's more about letting these young coaches know that it, there are tough times um, and the good coaches get through them and not just to throw your toys out of the cot and walk away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, again, probably leading on from what I was just saying before, I, you know, you say heartbreak and disappointment and um, at the time it was, but I actually look at it now and go, it was, it was probably the best thing that, that happened to me. So um, as I say, I put my hand up for a first 15 job, um, one that I was really confident I could make a bit of a difference. And, you know, I already sort of knew the, the, the kids that were there and the environment and everything like that, um, put together a sort of three-year plan and, and, and looked at how we could sort of change things a little bit. Um, first of all, you know, get the boys enjoying their rugby again, which was, um, probably the biggest thing. Um, anyway, I missed out on that. And I can still remember it clear as day. Um, interviewed um, and I was, I was teaching at the time and, you know, the person came down to deliver the news and said, oh, you know, you, you weren't successful. We're, we're going to reappoint um, the existing coaches. And, you know, you could have knocked me over with a fly when I heard that. Um, and I'll never forget, I, you know, there were boys in that class who had, who had had that initial conversation with me, ironically. And, you know, you sort of have to brush it off and go back in and, and keep teaching. And, you know, they're pretty smart kids. So they sort of worked out what was happening and kept prodding away. And as a teacher, you just play a straight bat, don't you? And then, you know, they, yeah, eventually they got it out, what had happened. And um, as I say, I was pretty disappointed, um, probably because of the group of boys I was potentially going to be working with. Um, so, you know, disappointed for that for a couple of days and then you know, I spoke I was really fortunate I got a lot of good people around me that I trust in the rugby circles and um, you know probably moaned for a little bit and then um, about six weeks later out of the blue you know it's 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 funny isn't it um, when things pop up and you know I got a phone call out of the blue from Brisbane State High School which was you know ironically not far from where I was working and um, you know I didn't know any people there and they just said look um, asked around, heard you might be interested in a change. Um, you know, obviously they've just won a first 15 premiership, which was pretty big. And they said, uh, would you like to come down and um, teach and, and, and be the director of rugby? And, you know, at that point, I, I wasn't even thinking about changing jobs or anything. Um, I was probably kicking stones a little bit. But when that came up, yeah, as I say, it ended up being the best thing that happened to me, um, that three years I spent there. So, yeah, it was disappointing at the time. And, um but I look back now and go, well, you know, things happen for a reason sometimes. So, um, yeah, that was, as I say, it was more the group of players that I was potentially working with. Um, and the place I worked, I really enjoyed. So it's a great place. So that aspect was disappointing. But, um, yeah, that that opportunity that State High gave me, um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah. No, that's really good, mate. Like you said, sometimes you don't get that job because something else is just around the corner. Um, so that's some good advice. Um, so let's flip that on its head, mate. What's some of the greatest moments you've had? As Because, again, we've all had good moments and they far outweigh the bad, otherwise we wouldn't keep doing what we do. Um, but what's some of the greatest moments that, that you can share with, uh, with the listeners? Uh, 
to be honest, Bully, what I'm doing at the moment, um, coaching the Colts, um, you know, this is my second season in there now. And as I said, Norse is, Norse is a club I played for. Um, and when the opportunity came up to come back, you know, it was the, the program probably wasn't in a great shape. And um, from, from where we started to, to where we are now, um, yeah, and look, we're obviously winning games now, which is which is great. And there's still a lot of rugby to be played, but it's 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 not even about the results. It's I'm seeing a group of players each week that are just they care so much about the jersey, they care so much about each other, and they care about the club. Um, and I think that's something that was probably missing. And as I say, for for me, it's it's you know a little bit personal in the sense that you want to see um, that that pride that um, that you know, my group of mates and I had when we came through Colts and, and, and through to first grade and things like that. And um, yeah, just, just seeing these blokes get better every week. Um, you know, they, they, they all came out of school, not as rock stars or, or, or big name players or rep players or anything like that. But, um, you know, last year, for example, we had, we had six, six players make, you know, there were two Queensland 19 teams last year and six boys made that um, from our club, which was really incredible. Um, we had nine guys make our first make their first grade debuts last year, which you know was pretty special as well. Um, and then, yeah, as I say, the last few weeks, you know, we're, we're really starting to see, um, I guess, the seeds sown from that initially when, when we started. So, um, yeah, just 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 where we're at now, from where we've come from, is is for me. And I've always had a soft spot for, um, you know, programs that you know you love those rags to riches stories, don't you? But um, yeah. you know, th this is. This is something that I'm, you know, really immersed in, and as I say, these players they just they just care so much about it, and and watching them get better every week is is what's made me so proud. Like oh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we we probably defended our try line for I reckon twenty out of the thirty five minutes in the second half, defending a lead and held them out, you know, right until the last play. And you know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. Like it actually brought me to tears because listening to that roar right at the end when they got that last turnover, like I'd never seen that type of grit um, and just, yeah, just how they erupted just got me a little bit emotional. So um, yeah, that, that sort of stuff, seeing that and feeling that um, yeah, that's just made me so proud um, recently. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good, mate. And like you said, they're, they're the things that we look at is how, how we can improve the team and how we improve the players, make them better humans as well. Um, what's some of the lessons that you've learned over your time coaching that you could share to help some of the newer coaches just to keep them on the right track, um, especially around that that Colts um, schoolboy stuff because they can be difficult ages. Um, I don't like I know down here. In Melbourne, Colts is a difficult age group to keep the kids involved in. Um, and some of the stuff with the schoolboys is you've got, you know, kids that want to play rugby and kids that are there because mum and dad want them to play or it's, they've got to play a sport. So, you know, they, they can't play AFL. Um, so they come and play rugby. So you've got big skill set gap. Um, yep. So it'd be good to uh, get some lessons that you've learned coaching in that space. Um, again, if I, I go back to my time at State High and like I was there for three years and I would say we ran that program to, to give it some context, State High is the only public school in a private school competition, GPS competition. Um, so there's, there's elements of the school that are very much a government school and there are elements of it that are part of a private school, boys and girls, um, sporting programs. So in essence, we're, we're sort of up against it or we were up against it, you know, in, in many facets. And we, we probably ran that program on the smell of an oily rag. But one thing I took away from that, or one of many things, I reckon I crammed nine or 10 years worth of learning in a three-year um, cycle there. Um, I wore a number of different hats, you know, teacher of six classes, math science for start, um, director of rugby, but you were you're a guidance counselor, you were, um, you're a coach, you're an administrator, you were everything. Um, and what it taught me is that you can have all the bells and whistles you like, and, and don't get me wrong. There are some outstanding programs. Every program, the GPS competition is outstanding. You can have all the bells and whistles. You can have all the resources, but what it comes down to is, is how you treat 
and how you make the people feel. Um, and when I say people, I mean the players, obviously, um, and also your volunteer coaches. Um, and I had an incredible army of, of volunteer coaches from different walks of life and different experience. Um, and, you know, I lent on every person I could in, in my rugby network who had something to gain from being a part of the program. But I just sort of found that even with the limited resources, if you treated the coach as well um, and really tried to make life as easy for them as you could, that was obviously a start. Um, there were people keen to be involved in a coaching capacity who probably didn't have a lot of experience. So the more support and resources I could provide them, um, I found that those people would come back year after year. Um, and then the, the students, the, the kids themselves, um, you know, we were talking before about um, differences in ability. Um, and, and that was that program because we, we had a, a merit entry um, enrollment process where students who demonstrated a good ability in, in rugby could come to the school from outside of the local catchment area. Um, and, I, and I guess people would compare that to the equivalent of a scholarship, um, even though they, you know, they paid levies and all that. So um, you had those sort of students coming into the school and then you had students who'd never played before. So um, trying to find that, I used to call it a rubric's cube of, um, <laughs> of balance was really important, but um, getting to know these kids first and foremost was, um, that was the most important thing. And, you know, we had a very large Polynesian community at State High and, um, you know, each of them had a different story. And some of the things I heard and some of the things you, you're trying to manage during the week, I, I never encountered before. You know, I, I can't play today because I've got church or, um, you know, I've, I've been called up to the hospital to have a medical procedure that um, I've been on a waiting list for three years for or um, mum and dad need the car to take my four younger siblings to their game. And I just don't know how I can get there. Um, so you would have all these expectations around turning up on time, you know, attending training and, you know, initially you go into it and you get really frustrated. And oh, I certainly did, you know, they haven't, they're late, they're this, they're this, they're this. But when you actually delve into the problem a little bit deeper, I guess one of the things I took away from it was, well, let's, how can we reduce the risk? and provide solutions rather than flying off the handle when someone's late or hasn't turned up. And you knew that there was always a reason why that they hadn't turned up. Um, you know, we have to travel to Toowoomba, for example, um, which is about two hours from Brisbane on a bus. Um, and you had to leave pretty early in the morning and, and that was difficult for, for some families. So you had to make sure that, you know, well before that, that, communication and transparency was really clear in terms of, Hey, we really need you at the bus at this time. Um, and you had to make sure that when you were planning that you gave the bus enough time in case we did have to wait for some, some families or, or students. So um, not, not really a, a rugby X's and O coaching answer, but um, you know, it's a pretty good starting point, I think, in terms of getting to know your, your individuals and, you know, what's, what's their home life like? like what's uh, a mum and dad dropping them off? Are they, are they here because, you know, and you said it before, Bully, do they, do mum and dad want free babysitting essentially, or are they really wanting to be a part of something? So trying to grow their experience, um, yeah, was was a constant challenge that you're trying to work out. How can you capture everyone? You can't capture everyone, but I think giving everyone the time of day as best you can was, was usually a pretty good starting point. And we had some really good coaches in our program who, you know, tactically they probably didn't set the world on fire, but, geez, the, the kids just love turning up for them because the conversations they had, they, they weren't even about rugby. They were, you know, how's school going? How's mum? How's, how's dad? How's your four younger siblings? Things like that. Um, and, and those were the people that, that really made that experience pretty incredible for a lot of kids. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, mate. I remember when I coached some under-16s um, a few years ago now, and I thought there's no point going off the, at the kid for being late because... A, they don't drive, you know? So yeah. yeah, what's is, you know, and one guy was always late and he goes, oh, sorry, dad doesn't finish work till 5.30. And we started training at six and I went, dude, no problem. Like he was there at five past six, he's dead at six o'clock. Yeah. And I went, yeah. mate, that's, that's no one's fault at all. But thanks for, you know, once, and like you said, once you delve into what's going on in their home life, um, you know, it's it can save a lot of heartache down the down the down the track. And 
not that you cut him any slack, but you you know you know you know Billy's going to be five minutes late because Dad doesn't finish work till five thirty, and you know and we had one kid one kid travel, I think it was forty five like from the other side of Melbourne. Yeah, right. You know to play at the club, um, and every now and again he'd be five minutes late, and you'd go, yeah, mate, no problem. Like, yeah. So sometimes it's not necessarily the kids' fault that they're not there, or they're like you said, they've got to. You know, grandma's in hospital and mum and dad have got the car at the hospital or, you know, fam- family's turned up. Yeah, you know, yeah. Fa- family arrived this afternoon. I didn't know they were coming. You got a house full of people and, yeah. And, and when I, you know, we, we talk about reducing the risk, you know, you know, under 13 level in particular, or kids are new to the game. You know, we, we would say things like, you know, we're going to this ground on, on Saturday. Parking is really difficult. So, what what is a good conversation to have with mum and dad is hey drop me off at the gate and then let mum and dad take their time finding a park and walking in so that you're not late for a warm-up yeah. so reducing the risk a lot was um it was really big um and, and it was really simple in the end when you think about it like i had all these expectations you know when you come in the head of a program and i really changed my thought around um you know attendance and reliability and i changed that word to communication in the sense that look if you're going to be late or you can't play that's okay we just need to know about it that way we can always find a solution so you know when people wouldn't turn up and they wouldn't say anything well that's a that's a different conversation to yeah. as you said hey i'm going to be 10 minutes later i'm going to be late on the weekend um and, and even at colts level now because School, school rugby and, and, and junior club rugby is a bit of a luxury in the sense that, you know, mum and dad drive them everywhere. They turn up, they pay their fees for them. They, they do everything for them. Then you get out of school, all of a sudden kids are working, they're studying, they've got exams, um, they've got to pay their own fees in, in, in some regard. So going from that schoolboy space to that cold space has been, I, I think the school space was a really good grounding in that sense, but, um, you know, we'll have school first 15s come down and run against us. And, you know, I'll say, oh, mate, you know, our 10's not here tonight or our 9's not missing tonight or, or whatever it might be. And they just sort of look at you and I go, no, 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 what you need to understand is he's an apprentice builder and his boss had to go up to Harvey Bay, which is yeah. you know, two and a bit hours away um, because that's their livelihood. So if they have to miss a Tuesday night to get a job finished, then that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And I said, all we ask with those guys is that they, that they let us know in advance. So, um, you know, and, and again, you change that language around communication. Like, okay, you're going to miss training on Tuesday. That's okay. So what are you going to do before Thursday to, to make sure that you don't fall behind physically? Or, um, you know, if we've done a, a, a review preview session um, where everyone's in there, what, what are you doing to make that work up for Thursday? So, um, yeah, the, that journey and that transformation from schoolboy to, to young adult um is really fascinating you know i remember at the start of it last year we had to sit the boys down and tell them you know i don't need to get contacted by your parent or your agent or your boss or whatever you need to have that conversation yourself because we, we were getting unbelievable we were getting parents emailing us we were getting you know agents contacting us about why certain player wasn't getting game time in this particular position and you know you deal with that at school with with parents, which is, you know, definitely some, uh, yeah. some challenges. Yeah. Um, but again, like you just, you're, you're educating these young players around you're out of school now. Therefore the expectation of you is that you are in control of your week. So, you know, we, we've done, um, you know, little mini workshops, if you will, on how to set your week up. You know, we sort of tie that into our, our mental skills, but, you know, preparation, you know, when you've got work, you know, when you're going to fit gym in, you know, when you're going to fit extras in, um, you know, when you've got an exam coming up. So it's, it's funny how much they take for granted um, what they get at school as far as a grounding for all that. And then they, that first six to 12 months out of school, you know, life changes a lot. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's been really eye opening in the sense that, again, you've got to compromise on what you think is, professionalism or organized or whatever and just that understanding that you know some boys have to work a night shift or some boys have to stay overnight so yeah yeah big big groundings yeah and i think too if they get that mindset when they're playing in that colts like under 18s and colts because i even find now at club level you get guys i can't make it tonight i've got work or 
my kids are sick or whatever, you know, and, and you can tell the guys that have done it from, you know, a few years, because I'll just send you a message. Hey, bully, um, kids are crook tonight, blah, blah, or missus has worked, whatever it is. And that, and the other guys will sort of go, oh, they'll wait till training started and go, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm running. you know, like, just tell us. Like we said, we, we can't afford to pay you. So if you've got to work, you got to work. Yeah. Um, even even with, um, there's there's two boys and and I, I taught them and coached them at school and now they're coaching Colts. And they're, they're really good kids. But we started pre-season sort of back in November and, um, you know, we'd explain the protocol around calling our managers beforehand and i said you know if you if you're doing it at 10 past five it, it can maybe look a little bit suspicious right yeah. 18 year old boys right so um november brisbane what's on that time of year the ashes the gabba right yeah. so yeah so these two boys i contacted our manager about quarter past five oh um hey uh, i was at the cricket today and um uh, i wasn't drinking or anything but um i, I had a headache um, so actually we both have headaches now, so we'll be able to come to training and you just, you shake your head initially. And then they turn up on Tuesday. I said, boys, look, I'm not your teacher anymore. I said, I get it. Like going to the ashes. Awesome. Just tell me, just tell me on Tuesday. Hey Dan, I'm going to the ashes. I'm in a box. I'm probably going to be on the beers all day, mate. No problem. You've been yeah. honest and we can plan in advance. And they just sort of like, and again, because it was a different sort of relationship that I had, you know, with other boys, I guess, um, they just didn't want to come out and tell it. But again, you just say, if you're on the cricket, that's fine. Just, just tell us in advance. Um, and they just sort of went, oh, okay. I said, because boys, it's not it's not your part-time shift at McDonald's on a Thursday night that you're calling in sick for. Like you've made a commitment to a, a club and a team and all that. So yeah, different to what would happen at school because that obviously wouldn't be a possibility. So yeah. yeah. No, that's that's some good uh, advice there, mate, especially around those, those younger boys. Just getting them in those good habits early too. Um, so how do you keep your training environment enjoyable for your athletes when you've got, um, and like with you, you've got three Colts teams. Um, so you've got potentially, you know, boys that may have never played or had limited game time. And then you've got potentially kids that are looking at or are Reds Academy players on the same paddock, on the same night, how do you um, keep the kid that's potentially, you know, on a, on a good pathway to, to good footy and you've got those other kids that just turn up because they want to play footy with their mates because that kid's probably going to be the club president or, you know, that guy that's going to be there for 100 years and he wants something done, he's going to... So you've got to keep him there and improve him whilst keeping you know, those potential elite players engaged as well? Yeah, I, um, I used the term before Rubik's Cube and uh, that's that's exactly what it is. Um, look, in, in pre-season, um, we try and mix the players up as much as possible um, and, and give everyone who wants to play at the highest team, in this case, Colts won, the opportunity to, to do so. Um, and that, that comes with its challenges because there's, there's quite obviously guys that, would like to play there, but physically or skill-wise, they're just not there. So you sort of have to take a bit of a hit on that in preseason just to keep them there. Because um, you know, one of the things I always hated as a as a player is right, I first grade over there, second grade over there, go your hardest. Or even at school, you'd see school programs where you know that that super 14A coach comes in and goes, right, I've just got my 15 players and I'm gonna go down here and B's and C's and D's, you guys just yeah, the reality is it doesn't work like that because kids won't come back. If kids can't see, even in their, you know, with their rose-tinted glasses on, if they don't feel like there's an opportunity to be selected and hire a team, then they're going to lose interest. Um, so there's times where you have to take a bit of a hit around mixed abilities being meshed together. Um, but once you sort of mesh through that and you get to sort of trials at the end of preseason, we, we more or less get to our teams – um, what we do with our coaches is, you know, with, we'll set three skill rotations up, for example, Colts one, Colts two and Colts three. So everyone gets the same coaching, um, but they're doing it at their own level or their own pace. So the Colts three guys who are just social players or, or are really, really young, they're not getting whacked by, you know, the 120 
20-year-old tight head prop who's played half a season of first grade already. Um, you know, that's a mismatch, obviously. So yeah. um, everyone gets the same coaching. Um, but as I say, mixed ability groups or, or likability groups, uh, we try and sort of keep it that way. We do as much as we can together um, for, for that connection. And as you say, there's there's those social players who end up being the board members and the presidents and, you know, the, the heart and soul of the club, really. Um, yeah. and, and every club's got them, don't they? And, and you've got to really celebrate those sort of um, characters because they're what make community clubs, community clubs, essentially. Um, and then obviously, as the year goes, you know, players are moving up and down for various reasons. But if everyone's getting the same coaching um, and everyone's getting the same, um, I guess, instruction in a way, it allows competition spots. It allows guys who want to progress to progress and, and the guys who are just happy playing social to play social. Um, so yeah, as I say, it's, it's, it's not a perfect sort of model, but, um, and again, you know, you learn that from being in big school programs where you have to cater for big numbers. Um, because as I say, I, I've seen it the other way before where, you know, a coach or a group just go, no, we just want to work with, and, and there've been players who have come to me and said, why are we still doing this? Like, they are not up to it. They're not this, they're not that. And as a player, you don't, you don't see the big picture the way that hopefully your coaches do. So you've got to explain that to players. Hey, mate, you know what? When we're middle of winter and we're five guys down with a flu, we might need that bloke. So whatever you think of him now, we're going to need him because ultimately you're only as good as what you've got underneath. Um, and that's, you know, everywhere I've sort of been, I've sort of taken that, that mantra in a, in a way. Um, and look, there's, there's times where you're on your knees as far as depth goes, but if you don't build any depth, you won't have any depth. So you, yeah, you've got to at least try and, and, and build that depth. But as you say, at club footy compared to school footy, but even at school, you still have these guys that become the cult heroes, you know, amongst their peers for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, and, and that just gives them a little bit of sense of belonging. And um, even though rugby might not be their thing, but you know, when, oh, geez, the guys in the A's or the first 15 pat me on the back. Geez, I feel good. Mm. Um, so, yeah, celebrating those little wins where, you know, those newer to the game type players do something extraordinary and everyone celebrates that. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly one way to sort of keep everyone there and keep everyone happy. And, and then, look, you know, school footy into Colts footy, there's, there's a big social aspect whether they're playing Colts 1 or Colts 3. So, you know, every social outing or event that we have – that's for everyone. You know, every time we warm up together, that's for everyone. Um, so there's, there's picking your moments where, you know, even when it's raining, for example, we're not, we might not be able to get on the field. We might do a video session for Colts one, but we'll go, you know what, all the other guys come in, watch this and listen to the messages that you're getting um, as well. So yeah, any opportunity to try and keep those guys in and, and look, I've, I've, I've mucked things like that up before as well. Um, where, probably haven't given those types of guys enough time or, or voice. Um, but you're, you know, you're always dealing with 300 other things, but yeah, where possible, I certainly try and keep as much connection as possible. But at the same time, when push comes to shove, you're the head coach of Colts one, your job's to get that, but you also empower your other coaches to put their little spin on their teams too. So you can't micromanage and control everything. You have to give a little bit of autonomy to your other coaches and, and players as well. But yeah, the Rubik's Cube, that's uh, it's probably most appropriate to yeah. describe that. Yeah, the way I look at it is the third grade 10s are um, blown hammy away from playing first grade. Yeah. Like, and like you said, it can be in the, it could be in the warm up. It could be, you know, yeah. And yeah, we've, I don't, I've got it wrong on a few occasions as well, mate. So um, yeah, it, it can be difficult. Um, yeah, no, that's some good, some good uh, advice, mate. I really enjoy that. Um, Feedback. There's a number of different ways and theories around feedback. Um, hopefully no one is still old school feedback. Um, that it was, I know when I started playing, feedback was only um, when you got it wrong, um, you know, and drop the ball and you're doing push-ups and all this type of stuff. Um, what are your, what's your method around feedback in so in a session, so if you're running a skills drill, what's your method for feedback around that? And then on the bigger picture, um, feedback in the game, so like at halftime and, and things like that. And I, I'll put the caveat on that as 
different people need different styles of feedback. We know that. Um, but what are your thoughts around it, mate? Um, yeah, yeah. Again, it's that's a really good question, isn't it? A um, couple of things. Like I, I like to coach through games a lot, um, and I'll explain the rules of a game at the start, um, and I'll look at the the technical aspect, the tactical aspect. But obviously, the tactical aspect is a bit more open for interpretation for them to sort of work out. So, for example, I might play a game that might go for two or three minutes, um, and then we'll stop. We'll come in. Uh, and one thing we've tried to do over the last two years is, is in those stoppages in play um, or, you know, post a try or, or whatever. And again, this sort of starts at training, um, just slow breathing right down, a couple of breaths in and out. Um, and then I just try and keep it really simple because I only really give them a minute in between games at training, for example. So I'll say, um, what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to keep doing? And what do we need to start doing? Um, and I sort of, preface that at the start by saying when you give your answers to that as a team bullet points not essays because there's always someone who wants to just keep talking um so for example you know if you're playing ruck touch for example you know stop pushing the pass all right cool stop landing on your back good um keep doing uh we're at, we're getting the width really well so let's keep moving the ball to the wide channel what do we start doing oh well, there's no fullback so let's start looking for put the ball in behind all right cool that's a minute let's go so giving them that little framework um, and I'll sort of judge them on, not judge them, but I'll, my feedback layer will, I guess, be added to, well, last time you said to keep doing this, last time you said stop doing this, how did you go correcting that or, or, or adding to that? So that's what I would try to do. Something a little, um, little more close, like a catch pass. It might just be simple as hands to chest or early catch. Um, and so you're giving them the three, you know, two or three cues, and then you just, the feedback you're giving is specific to what you wanted. So if you said right up, you know, catch pass, I want early catch, square up, you're giving them feedback on those three things, not 14 other things that you could easily pull apart. So just trying to keep that feedback specific to what you've um, what you've given them at the start. Yeah. Um, that that would certainly be that. In, in terms of game, um, obviously we, we you know, Colts one, we've, we film our Colts two games as well, which is good. So, you know, we'll, we'll pull things up around, um, you know, attack, defense, uh, and set piece. Um, and, and not, not just the bad things. I think it's easy temptation to, um, just pull up the, the errors, but I think you've also got to highlight, um, you know, the positive things as well. Um, yeah, there, there was one last year, for example, where we got a really crucial turnover, um, on the try line and all you could hear through the referee's mic was the eruption that the bench made because it was right in front of them. So highlighting that, which was obviously your Colts two and your Colts three guys and how valuable that is. And then when you ask the boys that are on the field, like, what did that sound like on the field? They're like, yeah, tingles down your spine. It was so good because it was so intimidating to the opposition. And um, so even that's not even a rugby thing in it, it really. That's that's more a connection piece, I suppose. So pulling those little things up as well. Um, and then obviously you're talking feedback, you know, dropping players. Um, you know, I don't, I don't particularly, I don't know any coaches who particularly enjoy it, but you know, it has to be done. Right. Um, and you know, in the, the movie Moneyball, um, where Brad Pitt is trying to, Brad Pitt's character rather is trying to teach Jonah Hill's character about how to cut a player in the major league and, and he sort of scenario plays it. I reckon I've watched that, that clip, you know, a hundred times, and there's a couple of elements to it that you go, that's really brutal. And there's a couple of elements that go, actually, that's that's probably all you need to do. So he, he just talks about cutting the snake off at the head, not sort of, um, I guess, mincing your words, going around. Sometimes the more you say, the more the players can pick apart. Um, and also the longer you talk, they just stop listening as well. So yeah. with, a, with dropping a player, like, again, it's never pleasant. But I would say, for example, you know, you're playing, I always start with, you're going to be playing Colts 2 this week. Um, for this reason, I want you to focus on this. Mate, you're doing some really good things. You're not far away. I just want you to go back. And and again, you know, I've I've got it wrong before as well. Um, and and I'll, I'll say that to the player. I said, look, this is just a gut feeling that I've got around selection. I might be wrong. You know, go out in Colts 2 and prove me wrong sort of thing. Um, the worst thing, and again, you, you go back to your experience as a player, like some of the things I saw as a player, players getting dropped was just, uh, uh, I mean, you used to have a, a QRU, um, 
the first grade teams used to be posted on the QIU website back in the day. Um, and I can recall guys finding out that they weren't in the team by reading the program, which would come out on a Thursday oh, for training. No. And you just go, oh, that's, that's pretty average. Or, um, you know, a coach would remove you from a, a Facebook chat group at 4 a.m. on a Monday morning. And you go, oh, so I guess I'm not playing first this week. So I always look at that and go, I'd never want players to experience that. So I know that my job at the start of Tuesday, if I've got to make changes, I've just got to go and, you know, pull the Band-Aid off, so to speak. But And it's hard, isn't it? You, you want to be sympathetic. You want to be empathetic. Um, but you know it's for the greater good. So I always try to be upfront honest. And again, I've, I've watched... I've watched other people do it before. They go, oh, look, mate, you're a really good guy. And they just keep rambling and rambling. And you just, mate, just put the poor kid out of his misery. Um, so, yeah, yeah, feedback, I guess, to the point. Um, try and reduce the emotion. Um, and that's probably what I took from that money ball scene is take the emotion out of it, but not completely because, you know, for a lot of kids, like it's funny. Some kids come out of school and they get dropped. And that's actually the first time they've been dropped from a team because they might have played in the A's the whole way through school. They might have played two years of first 15 and then all of a sudden they're getting dropped and, and they, they've never been dropped before and they don't know how to respond and how to deal with it. And, you know, mate, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to um, kick stones for a little bit, but your new team now is going to need you to bounce back. So, yeah, dealing with that range of emotions and as long as you're being specific and then, you know, we brought a guy in this year who um, works across the program and I sort of call him a skills and transition coach. So if I've dropped a particular player down at Colts too, um, uh, Tom will follow these guys up and go, Hey mate, how's everything going? I know Dan had a bit of a chat to you, just how you're feeling about it. You know, so what was your feedback that he gave you? Um, and it's good because, you know, he might come back to me and say, mate, he reckons, he reckons you've dropped him because of this. Um, but you said this and I said, okay, so that's interesting. So now we need to follow that up again and make sure there's no confusion. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's been a really good um, little, uh, obviously good person having the program, but just that little process around following guys up because they are, it's a different generation now. Like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you, you just take it on the chin. Like, I remember turning up for training one day, Jesus, uh, going back a while. And the coach comes up to me and he says, oh, Dan, great game on the weekend, but uh, Will's back this week. And I went, Will? I said, Will plays in the second row. He goes, no, mate, Will Genya, he's available for club rugby this week. I went, oh, right. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll just be over here in second grade then, no worries. Um, but yeah, you, <laughs> you, just, you just take it on the chin. Um, but now, I mean, players will move clubs at the drop of a hat or they'll, they'll go for a, you know, a soft shoulder somewhere and, and that's their right to do that. But Again, I think if you're consistent and you're and you're honest as well, eventually they'll they'll understand and, and respect. Not always, but um, yeah, the right people, I guess, will will probably understand that. Yeah, and I think it comes back to what we we're talking about before with that connection with the players. And it's no co as you said, no coach likes having that conversation. But I think if the players know it's coming from a good place, and you've actually got their best interests. Like you said, you give them the fit. This is what I need you to work on, mate. This is, you know, this is the good stuff you're doing, but I just need you to work on this, this, and this. Um, it doesn't make it any easier, but it often you get a better response from the player rather than yeah. just going, oh, screw you, and they walk off and you never see them again. Where, yeah, you know, like you said, if you've got that connection with them and they, they know that you, you know, you're genuine with it. And like you said, sometimes it's just a, mate, this is a gut feeling. Um, there's not much between you and this guy and we want to give this guy a crack on the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, and if it's from the right place, most guys will go, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, no worries. Oh, there's been, there's been a couple of occasions this year where I've, there's, there's two guys in particular and they've, they've gone down for whatever reason. And, you know, you just feel like you've, you've kicked your own kid in the stomach or something, you know, like it was, it was really hard because you know that they bleed for the place you know that they care so much and you know they're going to be upset because they care. Um, but it's a, it's a call you got to make ultimately as a head coach. And yeah, as I say, I've got it wrong sometimes and um, sometimes I haven't. But um, yeah, like you say, if you if you build that trust and, and connection, the, 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 the right people, yeah, they'll, 
they'll stick around. They'll understand because you, you're doing it to everyone in terms of fairness of process or try to be anyway. Yeah. And that's a good point. Like we had a, one of our players was out injured. So we brought this other guy in and mate, he was just on fire. This, this other guy. And a couple of the boys said, oh, can you just have a chat to him? He's just a bit worried that when this player comes back, he's, when I walked over to him, I said, how's it going? He goes, yeah, good. I said, you enjoying it? I said, yeah. I said, mate, I'll tell you something for nothing. And he went, what's that? And I said, when so-and-so gets back, he's got to push you out of that spot. Yep. And this guy just grew, like, this guy's nearly seven foot tall now. And he just, you could just see him go, Ooh, you know, and then it, all season now, he is just like monstering people. And I said, mate, he's he, that spot's yours he's got to get it back off you and it was just like and he just he just gives you that nod yep cool and mate he's just grown an extra leg since because he was just going oh, i'm just sit, sitting here filling a hole and um i mean we brought the other guy back and he plays in a different spot now but yeah you know this guy's going yeah i'm i'm, I'm actually the man i am the man you know like and now it's you know he's he got in this then that guy got injured and it was so much easier to bring him back through and go mate do your rehab, get this done, get that done, because he knew he was then capable of playing in that role. So, yeah, just having those connections is really good. It's funny, isn't it? Like, just yeah. that simple conversation and they just, you know, like, we've, we've, we've got the same issue at the moment. Like, we've had our front row. Um, you know, there's been a guy who was suspended, um, but the guy who replaced him did a job. So the following week when he came back, I said, well, mate, I'm not going to change that. They've done really well. I said, you haven't done anything wrong. It's just that he's taken an opportunity. Yep, cool. Then the following week, the bloke who replaced him got crook. Um, so the other guy comes back. And then after the guy who was crook comes back, I said, well, mate, look, you, have, you literally haven't done anything wrong. It's just that he played really well when he wasn't supposed to. Otherwise, it would have been you. And, and you know what? Like, they're mature kids and they just go, no, I understand. And I said, look, there'll be opportunities at some point. You've just got to be ready sort of thing. But... I guess they're good problems to have rather yeah, than yeah. Um, who am I going to pick? Yeah, exactly. <coughs> um, coach development. I know in Australia for a long time, we had coach education, which was all your, um, you know, sitting in the classroom and doing all that stuff and getting your, your bag of balls and a whistle and off you go. Um, and I will say that it has changed over the last couple of years around the development of coaches rather than just the education piece. Um, what's some of the stuff you do for your development as a coach? Um, oh, I, honestly, I, I love coach development. Um, I love having conversations with people like yourself, Bully, or other coaches from other sports or, you know, really experienced. Um, you know, I'm really fortunate. I've got a couple of really good mentors that are, um, you know, probably around my dad's age. Um, and, and just, we just sit there and just talk rugby. And sometimes it's in, you know, my context and sometimes it's just in general. Um, you know, I'll, I'll even, I'll go home some days and just write things down that I've had in a conversation with, with a mentor or, or, or someone. And um, so I find, yeah, conversations um, just, you know, really insightful. Um podcasts, books, um, and, and watching other sessions um, and, and not even, sometimes not even just rugby, yeah, watching other sports sessions. Um, I just enjoy watching, um, yeah, training and, and, and listening to how coaches interact with players and how their, you know, instructions are and, and, and the cues they look for and, and things like that. Um, you know, one, at the start of the year, um, at Nudgee College, there was a brilliant youth coaches forum run by Sean Graham up there. Um, and, and I was really fortunate that um, Sean was silly enough to ask me to um, be one of the presenters. And, um, you know, listening to every other coach, and they all presented on different types of scenarios or parts of the game and whatnot. But it was so well done in the sense that, yes, there was the seminar type presentations, there was on-field ones, but then there was enough space in between presentations to sit there and debrief it with people around you over a beer or yeah. a glass of coke or, or whatever and, and I just thought the way he did that was he, he mixed that conversation piece with the learning piece as well and that's probably when you start unpacking things that you know the real learning occurs um, so yeah things like that which which again don't always happen uh, are brilliant but 
Um, you know, we just had the, the Crusaders Academy staff over last week um, and just some of the things they were talking about, but then the conversation afterwards was just incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I love coach development. I love um, coach education. Um, you know, I've, I've done a bit of work for the QIU around presenting on level twos and, and things like that. And, um, you know, it's not me getting up there being the instructor. I just, I just love listening to people's thoughts on the game and, and, and different aspects of it. Um, you know, I've still got mates overseas who, you know, still in contact with talking about different facets of their game. Um, you know, Rugby Australia doing a lot of things now, a lot of webinars. You know, I think yeah. COVID's taught us how to do a webinar really well. Um, you know, Matt Taylor did one uh, a couple of months ago now at, at West in Brisbane on a Monday night on defence. And, you know, just not just what he presented, but just his conversation afterwards as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I just every opportunity and, you know, my fiance probably doesn't like it, but, um, you know, every holiday that or trip away might go on, you're always looking, oh, where's the nearest rugby club? I might, you know, see if I can pop down or is there a, is there a coach close by that you can sort of have a, have a yarn with? But, um, no, I think every opportunity, yeah, I've got to, to talk to people is, um, yeah, it's so valuable. So, as I say, the, the conversations, podcasts, books, um, and just, yeah, observing, like, how good Stan Sport been for the oh, rugby mate, coach now? Absolutely. <laughs> and I think one thing COVID has taught us, like you said, how to do webinars, but just how accessible people are and how you know, willing people are just to have a conversation. You know, when I noticed when most of the world was in lockdown, coaches are sitting around going, I need to keep my brain active. So they're just going, oh, I'm going to be online between, you know, there's just these coaches that you're just going to go, I would never have thought I would ever get access to, you know, like the Stuart Lancasters and these guys that were doing like webinars and stuff. You're just going, what the hell? Like, you know, because they're just putting information out there and that, you know, you are most people you ask are happy to chat to you about something unless unless they've got a legitimate reason, you know. Um it's one thing I've really noticed, um, probably since Dave Rennie's become Wallaby coach, is you know, him himself, uh Matt Taylor, Scott Wiseman, or as a collective national coaching group, just come across as people who just love talking and coaching rugby to anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, you, sometimes you get people who might rise to the top level and all of a sudden, oh, we haven't got time for people down below. And I know a lot of coaches think that. They go, oh, I'll, I'd never email that person because, you know, I'm just an under-14s coach. <laughs> like, you know, but yeah. it's, it's it's so funny, um, the amount of stories you hear about those guys where, you know, they, they just love turning up to a local field. Oh, fellas, you want a hand? Oh, oh really? Like, yeah, you... You know, so as a national coaching group, if, if they're doing that, um, oh, I think that's just, you know, terrific. And um, they're just people that love rugby, love talking rugby and just just love being hands-on. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's funny. Sometimes you don't ask, um, you don't get. So, yeah, it's um, the conversation piece, regardless of the level, people always seem to enjoy it, don't they? Yeah, and that's it. And like you said, if you don't ask, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? They say no. Or they don't respond. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, and you know, worse off. Really, yeah. you know, it's not. You know, yeah. I'm like you, mate. If I'm, if I go somewhere, I'll try and slip in a sneaky session somewhere with somebody. Even if it's just a coffee and a chat, you know, it's um because you get something. You always get something from somebody. Or a sausage sizzle <laughs> after training. Yeah, I'll be asked sitting around having a beer and and, and talking scrums to your to your forwards coach. Yeah, <laughs> I can't help myself, mate. I can't help myself. Um. No, that's that. That's good. Some good stuff in there, mate. Um, last last one. I'll let you go. Um, if you could get in a time machine and go back to that first, that first coaching role you had at that first at that first fifteen level, um, what advice would you give yourself, knowing what you know now? Oh, I might even go right back to when I was <coughs> coaching ten year olds. Even yeah. um, what advice would I give? Uh, Chaos and messy training is good training. Oh, I love it. Love it. Um, and, and that's sort of been a, an integral part of my philosophy, particularly probably the last five, six years. Um, I reckon I used to get really worked up when, you know, balls were being dropped on the ground or things weren't executed cleanly and, 
and, and you sort of, you know, you're not sort of, you do cringe when you think back to it, but um, I'm so much more comfortable with messy training now um, to the point where you, you look back and you just go, oh, geez, I used to carry on like a yeah pork chop. But um, yeah, messy training and letting them work things out for themselves. Less talking is, is more powerful. Um, and asking questions is sometimes better than just straight telling. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. Like I, I was really hell bent on, you know, crisp catch pass and clean breakdown and, um, you know, not kicking the ball. Um, and I reckon I've, yeah, I've really flipped that on its head probably in the last probably, yeah, five, six years or so. Um, and sometimes now it's just like, all right, well, how can I make training even messier? So, yeah, if I could tell myself that as years ago, that, that would have been helpful. Um, and the other thing is, you know, when you start coaching, you, you automatically default into what, how you were coached. Um, and, you know, you, you, you have good coaches, you have bad coaches. But I think the other thing to tap into is always remember what you didn't like or what frustrated you from your coaches um, and that for me was around lack of transparency and communication. Um, I hated coaches that were disorganized. Um, and I hated coaches that just basically tried to, um, I guess, fraudulently work their way through. Like, it's okay to say, you know, what, fellas, I, I don't know. Yeah. What do you reckon? Um, and I, I think as a young coach, I thought I had to know everything, but sometimes your players are your best resources. Um, and even if you do feel the need to, you know, fill your way through a group, asking questions is, is really helpful. Well, what do you reckon? Well, what did you see there? Well, what do you yeah. think would work? Yeah. Uh, rather than just that, you know, straight tell and I've got to know everything. Like, you know, people ask me about scrums and things like that. And, you know, all I used to do was put the ball in, but I've got, I mean, I've got a little bit of an idea, but um, the players are the ones in there doing the grunt work, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, knowing that you don't always have to have the answers. I, I think to progress, you probably need to, you know, be really clued in on a couple of areas. Um, but it's okay to have, you know, on your coaching staff as well, people that are, you know, and Scrum's a good example, isn't it? Um, you know, someone who is who has actually put their head there a few times. Um, so, yeah, not having all the answers is is uh, is really powerful as well, I think. And and as you as you said before, your players will see through that too. Yeah. If you're not being genuine, um, they'll see through. Like I mean, I, I watch a lot of rugby, I, I talk to a lot of people, but it doesn't mean you know everything. And just because they're 19 or 20 and you're a fair bit older and you've played a little bit more, but again, it's a new age now where there's so much access to uh, resources and, and and games. Um, so yeah, that that'd probably be the biggest things I'd say. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I remember listening to Wayne Smith on a podcast, you know, like the professor of all coaches, and he went, oh, I've watched a lot of scrums, he said, but I don't know what goes on in there. He said, that, that's why, I've, but he goes, I know, like you said, the basics, he said, but I, I get a guy to do that for me. Yeah. You know, and you just go, mate, if this guy can admit that, I'm, I'm doing all right. You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I still don't know what wingers and fullbacks do, but anyway... Um, Try and run fast, most yeah. Try and run fast, but yeah, and I think, like you said, players players appreciate it more and respect you more when you go, mate. I don't know. Let's give it a crack. Let's see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's good, mate. That's some good advice. Um, thank you so much for your time, Dan. Um, this has been great. I've got a few pages of notes here. Um, uh, thank you for having me, bully. It's um, as I say, it's. I love listening to podcasts, but I, I like that you've sort of tapped into the people at the, you know, the grassroots level um, in the sense that it's, it's contextual to, you know, people coaching the under 11s or under 12s and um, or, or the Colts or, or something like that. So I think it's uh yeah, it's a real niche that you've sort of tapped into. So um, no, I really appreciate you reaching out. No worries. Thanks, thanks mate. And thanks for your time. Pleasure, bully. Right on, mate. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Dan Ritchie. I really enjoyed talking to Dan. We could have spoke for hours. As always, please like, give us a review, a thumbs up on all your socials, give us a rating, pass this on to as many people as you can. That's how we get traction. That's how we can keep this thing going.
Uh, we're trying to line up some more guests uh, very shortly so we can continue doing this, so we can help those coaches grow. Uh, so if you've got anyone out there that you want me to try and reach out to, send me a message. I'll reach out to them. I have a couple of good coaches coming up in the next couple of weeks. As always, I hope you enjoyed it. Stay well, everybody, and I hope wherever you are in your season that you are achieving what you need to. Thanks again. That's a mighty show. A mighty man, Leicester, and driven off their own ball. That is monstrous. Yeah. 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 Yeah.